welcome friends and family of our esteemed graduates, and most importantly, welcome to you, the class of 2020. Before all else, let me offer you my congratulations. You have walked a long and winding road, the final turn of which was not what you nor anyone expected. But nevertheless, you're here, and metaphysically speaking, we are together. One might think that I'd be naturally inclined toward this sort of event, but I must confess, I question your judgment on this matter. I'm irreverent, prone to accidental cursing, susceptible to digressions, and I've never really been all that good with formality. But the honor of the invitation is more than I could deny. How could I refuse the class of 2020? I'm truly humbled that you would ask me to share a few words with you today. In their first year of MAPS, students conclude the fall term by writing an essay entitled This I Believe, in which they examine their core guiding philosophy. Invariably, someone will ask me what I would write if I had been given this assignment. Invariably, I do my best to dodge the question. I may come up with some nod to Kant's categorical imperative or a life of Socratic inquiry, but I avoid giving a satisfactory answer. In fact, if I'm to confess a secret, it's that if I've ever had any success in my profession, it's because I learned early on that I don't have any good answers for you. Contrary to popular belief, it's not my place to provide answers, but rather to help students to find their own. In fact, the best thing that I can do as a teacher is create a problem and then get out of the way. That's my essential philosophy of education. Create a problem, then get out of the way. Thus, I'm convinced that when Jesse asked me to speak to you today, he did so not out of reverence, but rather out of spite. Some sort of plot for revenge, getting back at me for the years I spent kicking hornets' nests and then sidestepping the carnage. Jesse, however, found a way to beat me at my own game. And I guarantee you, it's still because of that stupid frog. What frog, you say? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Well, it began in the fall of 2018. It was a different time then. Classes sat around tables, students and teachers shared meals around tables. Basically, tables. That was, that was the big difference, but, but I digress. In class, we were discussing the nature of truth, an ongoing conversation, painfully ongoing, and we were stuck. In fairness, we're still stuck on the question of the nature of truth and whether truth can be relative. Can there be such a thing as a personal truth? We grappled with this for some time, and by some time, I don't mean minutes, but rather hours, days, weeks. We still argue about this, so I suppose it's even safe to say for years. In defense of his notion of a subjective personal truth, Jesse shared with us a parable, the frog at the bottom of the well. I apologize for my somewhat abridged telling, but the general story goes something like this. Once there was a small frog who lived in an old well. The frog lived his entire life within the narrow confines of that well, knowing nothing of the world outside. One day a turtle made his way to the edge of the well and said to the frog, why don't you come up out here where it's bright and warm? Upon hearing this, the frog scoffed at the turtle, finding him mad to think there was a world outside the well. There's certainly more to the story, but you get the point. For the frog, his reality, his understanding of the truth was exclusively confined to that small well. 
Some maintained the frog was content in his ignorance. I maintain that the frog's an idiot. Now, perhaps my assessment is a tad unfair, and I don't want you to think for a moment that in this little tale that I'm supposed to be that wise old turtle who's going to bestow upon you all of the answers to life's persistent questions. I am not that turtle. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Anyone who claims to be that turtle is a liar and a charlatan. No, I am not that turtle. But I do want you to think carefully about living the life of the frog in the well. Since arriving at Mercersburg, I found a calling in philosophy. Yes, I too have defined myself here, and I hope to share with you three voices that offer us a departure from the wisdom of the frog. Brace yourself, because you're all about to see the entirety of the wisdom that I have to share in the span of the next few minutes. To all those students who have sat through my courses, many for multiple years, I offer you my heartfelt apology. All you ever needed to know was this. From Socrates, whose accumulated wisdom was shared with the Western world by his devoted student, Plato. Seniors, that's a not-so-subtle hint of future obligations. From Socrates, we learn persistent curiosity. In the Apology, Socrates said of the prevailing practitioners of Athenian wisdom, they know nothing but think that they know. I neither know nor think that I know. In this particular, then, I seem to have a slight advantage over them. Put quite simply, I know nothing, but at least I know that I know nothing. From Socrates comes my first hope for you, that you have an idea that there's more to the world than you know, that you can look around and see your world and ask the question, what else is there? What else exists beyond the scope of my direct experience? Which brings me to my second piece of essential wisdom, this coming from Immanuel Kant. I hope that all of my students, if they remember nothing else, will remember Kant's call for you to free yourself from a state of which he called self-incurred tutelage. Tutelage, Kant wrote, is man's inability to make use of his understanding without direction from another. And self-incurred is this tutelage when its cause lies not in lack of reason, but in lack of resolution and courage to use it without direction from another. Two things, Kant argued, perpetuate a life of self-incurred tutelage. Laziness and cowardice. We neglect to think for ourselves because it can be a difficult and daunting task. We may blindly follow the status quo because we fear the consequences of diverging from the norm. But it is precisely that sort of stagnation, that intentional avoidance of free and critical thought that can and will lead us to peril. From Kant comes my second hope for you, that you have an idea that there's more to the world than you are told that you have the courage to use your own reason. Like Socrates, I don't have any answers. I have questions, inclinations, concerns, doubts, and fears, some puns, a few jokes, but I don't have any answers. Like Kant, I believe that we're all duty-bound to think, to think carefully and critically, to listen to others, but ultimately to decide for ourselves. I fear a world in which we confuse the acquisition of information with the development of wisdom. We live in an age in which the vast stores of the world's information are right at our fingertips, but without the active application of reason, true wisdom becomes ever more elusive. When self-incurred tutelage prevails, 
We fall victim to manipulation and demagoguery, and these are evils against which we must resist. And this is precisely why I have no answers for you. Just the hope that you may genuinely seek answers for yourself. Create problems, then walk away. Sounds destructive, but I promise it's quite the opposite. Why walk away? Because only after walking away can you begin to understand yourself. And only then can you truly become who you are. While still a young man, not much older than you are now, the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote, Let the youthful soul look back on life with the question, What have you truly loved up to now? What has drawn your soul aloft? It's a question that only you can answer. It's a question that can only be answered when freed from self-incurred tutelage and convinced that the world is vastly complicated and beyond simple generalization. Only after walking away do you have the opportunity to, in Nietzsche's words, become who you are. In fairness, Nietzsche can take things to extremes. For the record, I am not suggesting that you all become Nietzschean egoists, though if you want an A in German class, it, uh, it wouldn't hurt. But my point is this. In your time at Mercersburg, you have present, been presented with problems, challenges, obstacles, and trials. But your response to those situations have helped to shape you into the person you've become, have helped you become who you are. While the frog in the well remains content in narrow-mindedness, you have sought, and I hope you continue to seek, more. As we know all too well, the pain of seeking more is disappointment, of aspiring great things and falling short. We've all been there but I nevertheless maintain that the frog's contented nature is a facade. There's no satisfaction in settling. Think about where you are now, who you are now. I guarantee each and every one of you has confronted problems, overcome challenges, and grown from the experience. I would have scoffed in disbelief if four years ago you had told me that Austin Monserina Soren would become a college football player Shannon Fan, an accomplished hip-hop dancer, or Will Allen, a convincing John Lennon doppelganger. Yet here they are, because they looked beyond the well, because they ventured great things and are now poised and prepared to walk away. So now, as we gather here celebrating you, I ask you to take a moment and think, who have you become? How did you get here? At some point along the way, there's been a teacher, a coach, an advisor, someone who took an interest in you, who believed in you and sought to help you become the person you are today, to help you become who you are. Yes, we may walk away, but it's been to allow you the space to grow. And if I'm to make another confession, we've never really walked away, merely stepped aside a bit so you can move forward and we'll continue to be behind you as you venture off to great things ahead. For me, Mercersburg is more than a place. While we've been painfully and awkwardly distant these past few months, we've nevertheless been connected by a shared interest in our growth as we all progress toward becoming who we are. A narrow worldview like the frog in the well can lead us to lament what we have lost at the expense of all we have gained. 
Yes, we've lost some moments. We've lost some ceremonies, some of the pomp and circumstance. We've lost pictures at prom and hugs by the graduation platform. While these things, these moments have slipped through our fingers, the reality is they're supposed to. They're ephemeral. Their value exists precisely in the fact that they shine bright for a moment and then slip away. What lasts is the connection between individuals. While we are all separated by miles, mountains, oceans, and continents, we are still here now, together as one. And while I will today mourn ever so briefly for that which never was, I will fully rejoice in all that we had and am overwhelmed with anticipation of all that we will have. I know I'm gonna watch Addie play lacrosse at Roanoke and Aurelius wrestle at Penn State. I know I'll continue to ask Jesse and Selena for advice on photography and harass Henry O'Brien every time the Patriots beat the Steelers. I know the best conversations on campus will continue to be found at the duty desk in South Cottage, and I know I will continue to look forward to every duty night. I know that I'll get to see Grace and Sophie in Boston, and we'll take Natalie out for coffee in Lewiston. I know that Stapley has no choice but to roll her eyes at me when her father and I fall headlong into some shenanigan. And I know that despite all advice to the contrary, I will continue to search for love in a pile of shrimp. These connections will persist because of what we have built while we were here. While there's always a sense of finality that comes with endings, that need to capture every moment and share every thought and feeling, I find solace in knowing that there are years ahead in which all will unfold. Because this is not an ending. It's not even the beginning of the end. But it is quite possibly the end of the beginning. There's a certain beauty in the word commencement. It simultaneously captures both an ending and a beginning. As this phase of our time draws to a close, we stand at the dawn of a new one, an open road of new possibilities, of unfamiliar paths and limitless discovery. As Father Gregory Boyle reminded us, Mercersburg is not the place you went to, but will always be that place you go from. As you go from here, I hope you leave with an openness to discover the world around you, the courage to use your own reason, and a resolve to become who you are. And when you go, may you go in peace. <laughs>